today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Those who have this hope in His return, those who have this hope, this blessed hope that He is coming, it has the much needed effect of getting their affairs in order, purifying themselves. Why? Because He's coming. That's what He's saying. I'm coming. Keep justice. Be righteous. Be ready. Because I'm coming. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. Do you live as if Christ is coming for you today? Do you have days where you live only for yourself or for others around you? The temptation is real. The return of Christ can seem so far off. But the reality is that it could be at any moment. Today, in his message, Pastor J.D. will encourage you to live as if today were your last. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the Inspired and Truth podcast or download the Inspired and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 56 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We're going through the Bible, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, line upon line, and we are currently going through this amazing book of Isaiah. We are, Lord willing, going to complete two chapters again, and we'll begin in chapter 56, and then, again, Lord willing, we'll make it through to chapter 57. I know you already know what I'm going to say, and I know that you're probably tired of me saying it, but I'm still going to keep saying it. I am really looking forward to what the Lord has for us in these two chapters. Actually, I'll take it a step further and say that there's something here I never really caught before or saw before, and it's kind of like the Holy Spirit. You know how it is when you're in the Word of God and the Holy Spirit just opens up your eyes to the Word and shows you something, just opens the passage up to you, and then the light bulbs go off. Well, that kind of happened today, and I'm really excited to share it with you. So why don't we pray, and we'll ask the Lord to bless our Bible study. Father in heaven, thank you so much. We're we're just so very grateful to you for these Bible studies. It really is a time for us. We can just come together and and put aside all the stresses and pressures and busyness of our daily lives and focus our attention on You and study Your Word together. And Oh Lord, it's just a taste of heaven. And so Lord, we just want to ask Your blessing on our time together in Your Word. These two chapters that we have before us, Lord, open them up to us. And in so doing, show us what you want us to see and speak into our lives that which you want us to hear, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, so these two chapters, God, through the prophet Isaiah, is encouraging and exhorting His people concerning righteousness, but not in the way one might think. And by that I mean it's His righteousness and how that His house or temple 
shall be called a house of prayer. Now, if you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, of course you're familiar with this verse, as we're going to see here in a moment. Jesus quotes this very verse here in Isaiah. But we stop there with, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And we leave it right there. We almost put a period on the end of that where a period shouldn't go. Because it's not just, my house shall be called a house of prayer. It's, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people, for all nations. And what we're going to see tonight is this common thread that is woven throughout the fabric of these two chapters. This is for all people. It doesn't matter who you are. The outcast, the downcast, everyone, all people should have unfettered access to God. And actually that's the context in which Jesus quotes this verse that we're going to see here. And when he cleanses the temple, what we're going to see is this idea of, you are keeping people from me. I want people to be able to come to me, and you're keeping those people from me. All people. And I want my people to be able to come to my house and pray. And I want my people to come to my house and be healed. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm so excited. I can't wait. So let's just jump in. Verse 1, chapter 56. Thus says the Lord, Keep justice and do righteousness, for my salvation is about to come. Hang on to that. And my righteousness to be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this, and the son of man who lays hold on it, who keeps from defiling the Sabbath, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Okay, now this is easily at first read misunderstood, because we're so prone almost by default to see this as be righteous. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying you need to keep justice and be righteous. No, he's saying, I want to encourage you to be righteous because I'm coming. In other words, the Lord is wanting to give his people the hope of his coming at a time when they needed it the most. And this is really what the Apostle John in this first epistle writes in chapter 3, beginning in verse 2. He says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, when He comes, we shall be like Him for we shall see him as he is. And then he says this, verse 3, and this is key. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. They are just 
and righteous. Why? Because He's coming. Those who have this hope in His return, those who have this hope, this blessed hope that He is coming, it has the much needed effect of getting their affairs in order, purifying themselves. Why? Because He's coming. That's what He's saying. I'm coming. Keep justice. Be righteous. Be ready, because I'm coming. It's to give them hope. Verse 3, Do not let the son of the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, Here I am, a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and hold fast my covenant, even to them I will give in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Now this is all going to make sense here shortly. I want you to pay particular attention to, I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Why? Because heretofore they had been cut off. See, the eunuchs could not even go to the temple. They could not worship the Lord. They could not pray. They could not offer sacrifices. They were forbidden. They were separated. And here the Lord is saying, don't, don't say you've been separated and cut off from me. I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to restore you to me. Also, verse 6, the sons of the foreigner who joined themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants. Everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant, and again, this is going to make sense here in a moment, specifically concerning the Sabbath. Even them, verse 7, I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. There burn offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. Here it is, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. This is that well-known verse that Jesus quotes when he cleanses the temple. It's well known, but what's maybe not so well known is why. And this is all, again, I'm hoping going to make sense. Let's if you would join with me in Matthew chapter 21, we'll begin reading in verse 12, follow along. Here's the account according to Matthew's gospel. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. See, the people needed those for the sacrifices. And he said to them, verse 13, it is written, quoting Isaiah, 
my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then, I wanted to include verse 14 in this, and I'll explain why here in a moment. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple. Note that. The inference being that prior they were unable to come to him in the temple. They had been cut off, slash separated, and they could not come to him, but now they could. You know, this is one of those places in God's Word, there are many. In fact, really throughout all of Scripture we find this, where you read an account like this without fully grasping the intensity of it, the reality of it. Can you imagine, I mean this just blows apart all these images and pictures and even what people describe Jesus as being. He was not a wimp. Can you imagine the Savior of the world walking into the temple? My house? And you're doing this in my temple? No, you're not. And can you imagine all of the money that was on those tables? All of the sacrifices that were on those tables? All of the people that were at those tables? And in walks Jesus, and He says that to them. And oh, by the way, don't you find it rather ironic that the people who were there were these criminals that were stealing from the people and separating the people from God, keeping them from offering sacrifices, keeping them from praying, keeping them from coming to the temple. And then once he comes in, and I would have loved to have been a fly on a camel or some animal, one of the sacrifices for that matter, to see this happen. It actually happened. And he comes in there, and I mean, he takes those tables. I mean, I know the the narrative doesn't say it, but you'll forgive me for picturing it this way. He picked that table up, and he overturned it. I wonder if he threw it on top of him. I would have. (laughs) So would have you too, so don't look at me all spiritual. He turned those tables over. He tipped them over. He threw them over and threw them out. Get out! This is my house. My house is a house of prayer and healing. And you've turned it into a den of thieves. And you're stealing from the people, you, you greedy, greedy. We're gonna, I'm, again, I'm getting ahead of myself. What he says to him next, remember now, the harshest words that were ever uttered from the Savior's mouth were reserved for these people, not those people. We're going to see that a little bit later. I'm sorry if I'm yelling. I just, man, you can just feel this thing. You know what they were doing, right? See, the Sabbath was a day of rest. You weren't to do any business, but they were so greedy. 
they were defiling the Sabbath. And they were doing business on the Sabbath. And if that weren't bad enough, they were stealing from God's people. And here it is again, and it's going to come up again. It's throughout these two chapters. The bottom line is, this is the why behind the what, if you will. The reason why Jesus was so righteously angry and enraged at them was because they were keeping the people from the Lord instead of getting the people to the Lord. They were separating the people from God. And they were ripping them off. And here the people are coming to worship. They're coming to pray. They're coming to be healed. I find it just astounding that it was after he kicks them out that the blind are like, are they gone? The lame are like, hey, can we come now? Yeah. And they came to the temple where they were not able to come to before, and he healed them. Wow. Wow, that just, that hits me. That gives me pause. Verse 8, the Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel says, Yet I will gather to him others besides those who are gathered to him. You know what he's saying? He's saying Jew or Gentile, society's outcast, the downcast, it doesn't matter who you are. All people, all nations, I want everyone, all people, to have unfettered access to me. And again, we're going to see this throughout. You know in the Gospels, Jesus was always attracted to the down and out. He was always attracted to the least, the last, the lame, the blind, the crippled. I mean, he came for those who needed a physician, right? He came for the sinner. He was attracted to the weak, to the downcast. And and by contrast, (laughs) he was repulsed by the religious leaders of the day. Very interesting. Again, I, I won't harp on it, but just one last thought on this before we move on. The people who should have been there weren't, and the people who shouldn't were. And he said it straight. Because the people that were in the temple were keeping the people that should have been in the temple away from the temple. And the people that were in the temple who shouldn't be in the temple needed to get out of the temple. I hope you got that, because I cannot say that again. Verse 9. <laughs> it's going to get... This is really wow, okay? All you beasts of the field come to devour. This is God speaking. All you beasts in the forest, what do you need them to do? Oh, I need them to devour these guys. Whoa. Really? Yeah. Why? Because, verse 10, his watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yes, they are greedy dogs, which never have enough. And they are shepherds, pastors, who cannot understand. They all look to their own way. Everyone for his own gain, from his own territory. 
Come, one says, I will bring wine, and we will fill ourselves with intoxicating drink. Tomorrow will be as today, and much more abundant. You have to understand that in that culture, in that day, and it's really the same today, the ultimate insult is to call someone a dog. To call him a dumb dog? <laughs> That's like the ultimate, ultimate. This is God speaking, calling to the beasts of the field, come devour these dumb dogs, these greedy shepherds. What an indictment. And you know what's sad? This is so apropos for us today. And it's passages like this as a pastor that I take very seriously. Because this is talking about watchmen. Blind watchmen? What good is a blind watchman? Because you're a watchman. You know what watchmen do? They watch. I know that's deeply profound, but if you're blind, you can't watch. So these are blind watchmen. And to make matters even worse, the shepherds, the pastors, the leaders, they could care less about the people. They were just looking out for themselves. They were just partying and getting drunk and they were all about the money. That's what they were in it for. You greedy dogs. And all they wanted to do was just party and eat and drink and be merry for tomorrow. This last uh, part of verse 12, I, I hope you'll hear my heart. I hope you don't misunderstand me when I say this, but... we as pastors will have to give an account for verse 12. Because see, even now there are those that are, with everything that's going on in the world right now, they're blind watchmen. They don't see it because they're blind. And they're surely not warning the people, and Ezekiel is very clear about it in no uncertain terms. The people's blood will be on their hands. They will have to give an account. This is why James says, don't, hey, you want to be a teacher of God's Word? That's a noble thing. You desire a noble thing. But be very careful, because you will be judged by a much stricter standard. Why? Because you are now responsible and accountable and have the blood of the people on your hands if you don't warn them and teach them, the Apostle Paul would say in the book of Acts, it's recorded, I am free of the blood of any man. Why? Because I did not cease from giving you the whole counsel of God. In other words, we would say it like this, I told you the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. Even when it was the hard truth. Even when I knew that you would get up in the middle and walk out. <laughs> but I have an audience of one. I know you don't want to hear this. I don't want to have to say this. But it's the truth. And I'm going to give an account. You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. 
Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. As you continue to learn from Isaiah with Pastor J.D., make sure to really think about what you're hearing and what God wants to speak to you today through Scripture. We encourage you to keep reading on your own. If you're not already part of a local church that you call home, we encourage you to find one and attend regularly to grow in relationship with God and others. And if you're in or near the Kaneohe area, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can also access more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates. In addition to that, you may be interested in the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This is a simple guide to sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of Isaiah together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know what those prayer requests might be? Just fill out the contact form under the About tab at calvarychapelkaneohe.com or come find us on social media. There's a link to our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook pages on our website. We encourage you to follow them so you can stay up to date with all that's happening at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe and In Spirit and Truth. That's all we have time for today, but thanks for listening to In Spirit and Truth. Keeping me right with your wind.